Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Here on 630 Chad, it's Dave Campbell in for Reed Wilkins. Reed will be back on the show tomorrow. And, uh, of course, he's been filling in for Bob Stoffer all week during the uh, European excursion. The uh, Oil Kings, or Oilers, that is. <laughs> Oil Kings are playing tonight. They're just underway at Rogers Place against the Saskatoon Blades. Anyway, more on them in a moment uh, or later in the show. But, yeah, uh the uh, yeah, Reed is uh, hosting Oilers now. He'll be back hosting this show tomorrow and Friday. And uh, yeah, Bob Stoffer in Europe as the Oilers today beat the Cologne Sharks four three in overtime. So the Oilers on a goal from Ryan Strom uh, that completes the preseason. The Oilers going seven and one. What does that mean? Well, they didn't go one and seven. So it means less people are screaming about it. What does seven and one mean? I don't know. We'll find out, and we'll get a first indication. Trust me, this won't be the <laughs> this won't be the end all be all as we all know. But the Oilers are in Gothenburg, Sweden, on uh, well starting tomorrow. But they'll play the uh, New Jersey Devils to open up the regular season. Nine thirty is the City Ford Faceoff Show here on six thirty. Chet eleven o'clock is the drop of the puck. Then the Oilers will uh, fly back to uh, North America. Then their next game will be a week tomorrow against the Boston Bruins. So kind of like how the league did this, you know, just kind of a gradual. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of time in between games, especially, you know, even the game today, the Oilers had a few days to get adjusted to the time zone. It won't be any adjustment going to Sweden and then coming back to North America. They got a few days before they play. So their body clock should be pretty much back to normal uh, by the time they get to uh, that game, their first game on North American soil against the Boston Bruins. You can text in at uh, 630-630. Um, we'll give you a scoreboard update here. We'll start with the Major Leagues of Baseball. American League wild card, the New York Yankees out 2-0 uh, on the Oakland A's. They're in the bottom of the third inning. The uh, playoffs begin tomorrow as far as the divisional series. Uh, two uh, National League games. The uh, Milwaukee Brewers at home to the Colorado Rockies. The Atlanta Braves visiting the L.A. Dodgers. Isn't that funny? No Jays, no 10:37 starts. Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah, it is. Just a tad. Uh, the Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals. Boy, they're putting the boots to the Bruins tonight. 5-0 uh, is the score. Uh, goals from TJ Oshie, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Alex Ovechkin, Nick Dowd, and Kuznetsov has just added his second goal of the night and of the season. Canadians and Leafs in the second intermission. They're tied 2-2. Goals from, yes, John Tavares and Austin Matthews, Arturi Lekkanen, and Andrew Shaw. The goals for the 
uh, Canadians. Flames and Canucks later on in about an hour from now, in about an hour and a half from now in San Jose, the Sharks at home to the Anaheim Ducks. You can text in at 630-630. For Pete's sakes, winning means being better than good at more things than the other guy. Winning at all means a total focus and honesty and honesty about your failings. This is the correct answer. That's uh, Rob talking about the uh, Canucks decision as a team minus coaches, minus general managers, executives to ban Fortnite on the road and other video gaming. Scott says, have you guys talked about what Brendan Shanahan said regarding salaries on the Leafs? Pretty ironic. You go out, spend max dollars on the big fish free agent, and then tell your own homegrown talent they have to take a pay cut. I certainly would appreciate, wouldn't appreciate that if Matthews and company, if I was Matthews and company, every team has to work within a budget, but I thought that was a pretty low brow. Well, in the NHL, of course, you got guaranteed contracts, right? But when you negotiate those contracts, um, you know, it uh, you gotta you gotta set it up. I mean, the Oilers have to do the same thing. You got Drysaddle's contract, of course, McDavid's contract kicking this year. That helps when the cap goes up by five million as well. But you got to manage it. And the reality is, um, good teams they say, okay, no one's going to make more than this than this player, or we're going to set up our budget around uh, or our core around these two or three players. Then we got to work around them. I mean, that's what you have to do. There's only so much money to go around. So, yeah, others may have to take a pay cut. I, you know, I mean, I think saying that when you have guaranteed contracts is a little difficult. And football happens all the time. Players are always asked to take a pay cut, it seems like, every offseason in both leagues, NFL and the CFL. So, oh, speaking of the, uh, speaking of the CFL, the Eskimos, oh, they got back to work today. Uh, day A, the official practice week starts tomorrow. Uh, with uh, day one, they play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Thanksgiving. Uh, on uh, right here in six thirty, Chad, you'll hear the broadcast noon for countdown to kickoff from Mosaic Stadium. Two o'clock is the kickoff. The Eskimos have lost two straight. They're seven and seven, clinging to the crossover position in the Eastern Division. They got the Lions chasing them, um, and you got the Bombers. They're at seven and seven. They play the Ottawa Red Blacks. Lions at home to the Toronto Argos, and the Eskimos two points back of or four points back, that is, of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders uh, for second in the Western Division. So an Eskimos win on Monday would uh, definitely put them back in the mix for a home playoff game. But losing 30-3, to oh my goodness gracious. That was one of the most, probably one of the most lopsided, surprising, embarrassing, just brutal losses I have seen. Uh, period, but especially on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, Mike Riley, though, says today was a good start. Today was great yeah. to get on the field. I mean, it's not easy to flush it. Um, you know, I told you guys after the game and, and held true over the, you know, the last couple of days that we had to be honest about the performance that we had, mm-hmm. um, and it, it, was, it was bad. You know, that was not up to our standards or anybody else's standards, really, but, um, you know, there's these guys take a lot of pride in how we play on the field and and that was not something that we were proud of at all Um, you know but football is all about toughness you know the physical toughness we all know about you know you have to be physically tough to be able to play this game but um, you know what people might not understand is mental toughness and that plays a bigger role than physical toughness does because you have to fight through stuff and uh, you got to figure out a way to get better from it not sit there and and sulk about it and and 
You know, you can't, I said to you guys all the time after a bad performance, you can't feel sorry for yourself. You have to learn from it and get better. And I think we have. You know, I think we've got to continue throughout the course of this week to improve from that past performance and, and continue to learn from the mistakes that we made because it doesn't get any easier and we're all aware of that we all understand how important this month of football is going to be um, you know but the guys came out on the field today and I thought that everybody was focused and dialed in and ready to you know they set a, a good tone for the rest of the week of practice and, and it needs to continue to build it needs to you know you need to build that momentum over the week so tomorrow needs to be a better day than today was but for it to be a day a um, I thought we got a lot of work done and I thought the guys mentally are in the right frame of mind to come out and uh, and have a much better performance than we did in the last game. Now some of you fans listening right now may be taken aback by this next statement. I don't think you should be. I don't think you should and I, I think you probably would say as well well if that's true why did Saturday happen? But Mike Riley says you know what the reaction of the fan base about our losses um, doesn't come close to how we feel about it. I love our fan base. I love this, this city is the best city that I've ever been able to play football in. And I love how passionate they are about our team. Um, and as as upset that they are about a performance like that, it doesn't hold a candle to how the guys in that room, myself included, feel about it. Mm-hmm. You know, we take a lot of pride in how we play, as I've said multiple times, and we take a lot of pride in playing well for our city. Um, so the, the concern that they may have is is credible for sure because our performance was was bad you know i would be upset if they weren't concerned about it um you know but in terms of the guys that are in that room you know they they take it very personally how we play um there's not concern but there's a reality check you know and an understanding of based on what we've done so far to this season we have a great opportunity in front of ourselves over the next month of football uh, but a very important one and and if we take our foot off the gas for any moment um, you know that's catastrophic so you have to you have to play with a playoff sense of urgency and we haven't for the last two weeks um, you know but the, the time is now and it's crunch time and I think everybody in that room knows that and uh, again it's a you know you got to look at it one of two ways either we've put ourselves in a bad position and now you know we have to take care of business over the next four weeks or we're in a spot where if we play our best football for four weeks we're going to be real happy with where we're at in the postseason so you know we're going to choose to look at it in the positive direction but also not be blinded to the fact that we got to get better from what we've been doing the offense has struggled i mean clearly when you only score three points you're struggling they have struggled in fourth quarters and second halves period and they have had some good results or good success in the first halves. They've been overall a better home team offensively than they have been on the road. Uh, what about that relationship that Mike Riley has with Jason Moss? Uh, I'm going to tell you right now it's good, but Jason Moss said this week that maybe I need to simplify things and, and put plays in that the offense is more comfortable with, especially Mike Riley. But what about that relationship with Jason Moss? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm incredibly close with Coach Moss. been closer with him than any coach that I've ever played for. Um, you know, and, and we've, for three years, had great communication when it comes to that. Um, you know, and, and games like this past one, I think, make it even tighter because you got to you got to talk about stuff you got to get it figured out you have to be on the same page with everything and we are we always are um but really narrowing it down like you said things that i'm comfortable with things that our guys are comfortable with and making sure that he's aware of what those plays are and and we've had great communication about that um i think he always has a really good feel for the pulse of our offense Mm -hmm. but you know he's 
he takes as much pride as, as we do. And when we have a performance like that, you know, he does the same thing. He evaluates everything that he's doing, everything that we're doing as an offense. And, and we've spent a lot of time over the last couple of days talking about it, trying to really figure out what the problems were, how to correct them, and, and what it is that we do really well and try to make sure that we give ourselves great opportunities. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't know if the casual fan is going to see monster changes uh in the you know the structure of how we run plays and things like that but i think the comfort level that our guys have myself included is going to be uh at the level that we're going to be able to perform you know at our best when we come back we'll hear from another veteran long snapper ryan king of course uh, his position grouping uh, affected this week with the firing of special teams coordinator Corey mcdermott on sunday and replaced by dave jackson who's uh, been the special teams assistant for the same amount of time that mcdermott was here which has started the uh, 2016 season so we'll talk about that change the effect and also you know, he's a veteran. He's been on the championship team in 2015. There's still some uh, championship flavor from that season. Um, and you won't be surprised. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That he says, oh, there's still lots of time to turn this around. We'll hear from Ryan King next here on Inside Sports. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Coming up to 722, Ryan King, long snapper, uh, six-year, six-year? I think six, or maybe seven year. Yeah, I think a seven year CFL veteran. There you go. Uh, He, uh, obviously in the special teams, affected, and everyone's affected by, a lot of players are affected uh, by the uh, special teams uh, change with Corey McDermott out and Dave Jackson now taking over as the coordinator. Uh, Talk to him about uh, the reaction of the the move. Uh, Well, first of all, you know, we're all uh, in the business of playing pro sports and uh, we all sign on the dotted line and know that these things happen far too often than you'd you'd like to see. I got a lot of respect for Corey. Um, you know, he came in and uh, he did a, you know, a good job of uh, putting some good systems together, uh, rallying the troops. You know, we had a lot of guys on and off rosters throughout the years. He did a good job adjusting all that. I think, uh, you know, he did he did a really good job. He came in here. I know he grew as a coach. Um, so even though he's leaving in some uh, unfortunate circumstances, I think that he's uh, he did a tremendous job while he was here. And uh, the reality is, we play pro sports, and um, you know, sometimes these things have to happen. When a, when a move like this is made. Is it a reflection on how the players play? Like, do you take it kind of personally and go, well, if we played better, then maybe maybe he still be here kind of thing? You know, like it, it seems like that's a natural reaction in sports a lot of times. The coach gets fired, but it's, you know, kind of like it's a reflection on the players, but you can't fire all the players. Yeah, no, I think that, yeah, that's uh, very accurate. It's, uh, you know, you, you spend a lot of time with these coaches. You spend a lot of time with the players in the locker room. Um, you know, Corey's been here for a couple of years now. Um, you know, those are long training camps. Those are a lot of, a lot of practices, meetings all that kind of stuff and uh 
you definitely reflect back when you hear these kind of things and wonder, you know, what, what we could have done better, you know, what we could have done to keep him here. And, uh, you know, because all the guys in the room have a lot of respect for Corey, and I know the coaching staff, management, everyone as well does. It's just mm-hmm. uh, it's tough to make those decisions. And sometimes you need a wake-up call, um, you know, going into the end of the season. And uh, it's just tough when that wake-up call is, uh, you know, your positional coach and, um, you know, you got to just move on and, and uh, keep plugging away. That's funny. On, the, on that point, Coach Moss said on Monday that, you know, this isn't intended to invoke a reaction or, or, or to shock people, but inevitably it does shock people, right? It shocks the group when something like this happens. Yeah, there's no question. And, um, you know, we're coming off of a tough loss. And, uh, you know, I, I have no idea what, uh, you know, how many things or what got to this decision. But I just know, uh, again, we're playing in pro sports. We're getting close to the end of the year. Um, we need to be winning these games. We need to be uh, winning on all three phases. Um, and, I think historically, you know, Eskimos have, have, have always had a, a big impact on special teams. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know we always have uh, here my whole time and uh, even with Corey. Um, it's just some unfortunate, uh, you know, plays and games and uh, we couldn't put a couple things together at certain times. And, you know, those aren't always, um, you know, coaches' fault. A lot of that is, you know, players. And back to the question is, yeah, you know, as players, you do feel responsible when you lose uh, you know coaches is one of the guys in the locker room is one of your you know teammates even though he's a coach and uh yeah it's always sucks to to see those things but again it's pro sports this happens all the time um i have no doubt that Corey will land another job somewhere he's a great coach and uh you know we wish him the best of luck wherever he goes and uh, we have to come out to practice we got a big game this week against saskatchewan and we have to move forward the man replacing him is someone not unfamiliar to you or to anyone on this team uh tell me about dave jackson and uh you know from what we've been told, he's been running some meetings already. Um, but what what do you see out of Coach Jackson that uh, I guess leaves you optimistic here? Yeah, I think this is a, a, you know first of all you see your you know your coach leave a, four games left. You know what you hope as a player is that you don't have to come in and change all your systems and change everything around, right? So I think the fact that uh, Dave's the one stepping in and uh, this is a great opportunity for him. I sat in his office yesterday and was super excited for him and obviously you have your, your quick couple minutes talking about Coach Corey and, you know, we were both very, very close to him from a player and a, you know, co-coaching uh, side and, uh, you know, but again, you got to move on and, and we got to, you know, put some schemes together this week and I know Dave's uh, – He's, he's a great football coach. Um, he understands players. He understands systems. Um, he, uh, he's got good vision from a coach, but as a player, you know. So when I'm out there on the sideline and we get hit with something, um, he's really good to sit there and analyze it quickly and, and understand what's going on. So a lot of coaches uh, coach X's and O's and numbers and do this and that, and he's a lot more of a vision guy. So I think that's going to help out, you know, uh, our return teams and it's going to help out our schemes. And um, we're going to be able to make some small adjustments that um, – you know, he's wanted to make or we've wanted to make for, for a little while or whatever we think is going to be best for us to, you know, put the best effort out there uh, on the field against Saskatchewan. As you mentioned, uh, Saskatchewan's coming up on Monday. We all know, you know, uh, the players know how important that game is. On that note, as a leader on this team, when you're looking at the situation at hand here, and, you know, a couple of players said after the game, maybe we're just thinking about the scenario too much that, you know, we're being told it's a big game. We're being told it's a big, you know, critical time of year. But is there, if you think about that too much, can that cripple someone? Well, I think uh, 
especially in game. Uh, you you got to be confident in what you're doing. You got to be confident uh, every day to step on uh, the practice field and play football or a game field and play football. And um, you know, you can if you read too much in the media and you know these kind of things. You, your guys' job is to analyze all that stuff and and uh, you know put your opinions out there. And uh, you know, I, I know from a veteran on this team. Uh, you know, right now we're in playoff football no matter what. It doesn't matter. Uh, 2015 won the Grey Cup, had a first round bye. We're still last four games of the year. You need to be playing playoff football uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. You never want to be on a, a losing streak going into playoffs. You, you always want to be hot going at the end of the year. Um, so I think that that's just kind of the mindset we have to have right now is that uh, regardless of what our record is, regardless of the standings, um, this is playoff football. And this is what, as pro athletes, you, you love to play in. So um, if we can sneak a couple close games in here and get on a good, good vibe going and uh, get a good win streak going then uh, you know we're going to be a really dangerous team going into playoffs there's enough players on this team that have been through it before that they can do it again yeah and that's on you know that's our responsibility to lead these guys you know it's uh, it's a long season you go through a lot of stuff uh, throughout a year and uh, we kind of look at it as thirds you know there's there's you know we're in the last third of the season now so this is when uh, you know you need your big time players to step up and make big time plays and uh, this is where leading by example comes into play you know you you lead vocally in the first couple um, quarters of the or thirds of the year and uh, now it's time to you know put the talking aside put the football gear on get some good practices in and go in and you know put some full games together and I think if we can do that then uh, we're going to get back on track and uh, we're going to be a dangerous football team. Eskimos long snapper Ryan King who just played his 100th CFL game. Eskimo is getting ready to play the Saskatchewan Rough Riders on Thanksgiving Monday. News is next from the 630 Jet 24-Hour News Center. We come back, talk more uh, about the Oilers win in Cologne. Also hear from Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly. We'll give you an update on Yards for Hope down there at Commonwealth Stadium for the Hope Mission. That's all coming up in the final half hour of Inside Sports. listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Blind pass, picked off, dry settle in front. Reader, backhander, score! The German connection hooks up. This seemed like a pretty special event for all you guys, but obviously more so for the two of you. You know, when you guys combined to score that goal, what was going through your mind? German crime. <laughs> no, I think, yeah, um, it, it was pretty cool, obviously, having another German, um, uh, you know, on, on the team and, and even on my line. Uh, you know, it's pretty pretty special one. Um, you know, it's fun talking some some German once in a while. Toby? You know, that was the best case scenario right from the get-go. Um, yeah, you couldn't you couldn't write it any better. So uh, it was a uh, yeah, it was a, a fun experience. Yeah, countrymen to countrymen, dry saddle to reader in their home country, as the Oilers beat the Cologne Sharks by a score four three in overtime. Dave Campbell for Reed Wilkins here tonight. Reed will be back tomorrow night. Inside Sports brought to you by the Furnace Family, your twenty four seven furnace repair and furnace replacement specialist. Call seven eight zero four family or visit furnacefamily dot com. And uh, Oilers with a 4-3 win. Uh, the goals, Reader, Ty Raddy, 
Milan Lucic and the winner scored by Ryan Stroma was uh, quite impressed with the German crowd. Yeah, people jumping around and chanting the last names and stuff. It caught me off guard and they yelled dry at the beginning, but uh, it was cool. It's, uh, you know, I've kind of played some uh, North American, or sorry, European events before with like World Juniors and stuff, but never a game like this. And uh, great experience, a lot of fun. And uh, it's nice to see them jumping around, having a good time. It's uh, pretty cool. In warm ups, everyone's standing up and stuff. It was, uh, it was a, lot of, uh, a lot of new experiences, but uh, they're all Great. Head coach Todd McClellan on the spotlight being on the two German players on his roster, Leon Dreisaitl and Tobias Reeder. Uh, you know what? I, it was on Toby and Leon. Um, obviously, uh, more, more so maybe Leon than, than Toby because of his hometown, his dad, the, the whole nine yards. And and um, I thought they rose to the occasion in some shifts and then it got the better of them in, in others. So uh, it was kind of a mixed night for them, but uh, a night I'm sure they'll remember for a long, long time. Um, Great to see them connect on the first goal. Uh, I thought they made a real good play there. And could Germany ever host, this was a preseason game, does McClellan think Germany could host a regular season game? You know, it, what it is is it's tough on on the athletes traveling, the time change, that type of stuff. So is it realistic? Maybe somewhere in the future, maybe you come over and you play a, a series of games. You stay here and you get your road trip done. Um, it might be a little different coming from the East Coast out here, but when you're coming an eight-hour time change, uh, it can be taxing. So they have the buildings, they have the fans, there's an excitement, there's a belief in the, the product and the game here. Um, is it realistic? I don't think uh, I'll be the one making that decision, but uh, there's probably questions that need to be asked. Got this text in saying, how many NHL teams went to Europe to play? How were the teams chosen? So it'll be the Oilers... And the uh, New Jersey Devils, and the Devils played a preseason game in uh, Switzerland at SC Bern, and that's where Nico Heischer played, uh, the uh, Devils' first round, uh, first overall pick from a couple of years ago. So, you know, he gets to be showcased in his home country. You got Adam Larson being showcased uh, in Sweden, and then the Florida Panthers will take on the Winnipeg Jets in Finland on November 1st and 2nd. So, you got Patrick Laine for the Jets. You got Alex Barkoff for the Florida Panthers. So, how are the teams chosen? Well, basically, what the Global Series is is they, they just pick a certain section of um, the world and mainly Europe, obviously, um, and they just pick a, a section where there's a rabid hockey fan base and there's a connection with uh, NHL players who are from that area. And there you go. There you go. You got the Global Series. Uh, I know the Calgary Flames and the Boston Bruins went to uh, China, so that's a little bit different, I think. That's probably saying, we're not going to the Olympics, but here's a couple of NHL teams, and they were stacked with NHL talent, so it's not like they you know, just threw them... You know, just the uh, also-rans or the uh, younger players, I should say. Not also-rans, but, um, you know, the the vets went and the younger players stayed home and they played their exhibition games. But uh, Bill Daly is the uh, deputy commissioner of the National Hockey League, and uh, he spoke with Jack Michaels about this series and uh, just the growth of it and the future of it. In today's NHL, where, as you rightfully point out, it's evolved to the point where you do have a global imprint, what then becomes most important about continuing to play games like this, like the one in Sweden, like the two in Finland? Uh, well, 
it's a, it's a great question. I mean, uh, obviously, the, the countries in Europe have a hockey culture and a hockey tradition. Uh, and really, what we're doing is kind of reinforcing their connections and their connectivity to the National Hockey League, to our clubs, and to our players. Um, what we've found um, kind of naturally is that uh, the hockey fans in these countries, in European countries, uh, really are interested in how players who their countries have produced uh, perform in the National Hockey League, and, and it's, a, it's a real bond, and, and we uh, want to take advantage of that bond. We want to strengthen that bond, and we want to bring the players here uh, where they can see them in person. It's no longer a 75% Canadian league. Is it also to some degree a bit of a reward and recognition for the players, the European players that are in your league, to allow them Dreisaitl, Reeder, Adam Larson in Sweden to play in their home countries? Yeah, ab absolutely. I, and I, I, I think that's a great question. And, and we probably don't focus on it that way. Uh, but as it plays out, that's that's what it ends up being. And I know the Whalers organization in particular, we're very focused on on Leon Dreisaitl uh, in particular, having an opportunity to kind of be a team leader over here um, and really have pride in his home country and, and, and where he developed as a hockey player. And, and so uh, we think that's great. We, we think players uh, being proud to come home and, and play in front of kind of their home fans is, is a great opportunity and it kind of leads to a great story, right? So it's, uh, I, I think it works for everybody. You were asked this question in the press conference and obviously now is not the time for an answer, probably not 18 months from now is the time for an answer. But have we evolved to the point where part NHL participation in the Olympics is also related to that more of a favor to the players and a reward for the players than necessarily a direct, tangible benefit to the National Hockey League? Well, certainly I'd, I'd agree on the, on the latter point. I mean, as, as we measure tangible benefits um, at, at this point, um, we, we can't really uh, put a whole lot of tangible positives on Olympic participation. Uh, but there are intangible positives, and we recognize that. I think our board recognizes that. Um, and there's no doubt, you know, we, and we've heard it repeatedly, that the players uh, think it's a priority to, to come to the Olympics. So, you know, you have to factor that in the mix as, as you know, we deal with the players going forward. Beyond the Olympics, what are some other things that you're most focused on as the league? Right now, of course, something that strikes me is being an NFL fan. There's this overcorrectiveness with the Clay Matthews sacks that maybe they've gone too far in the areas of player safety. Is that still near the top of the priorities, finding that delicate balance between protecting the physical integrity of your game, but also looking out for player safety? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that's a new focus at all right. for us. That's always been yeah. kind of a delicate balance. Um, it just know, seems it's highlighted lately with what's going sure, on. In the, sure, I mean, we, we, we yeah. talk about it all the time. You know, we, we want our game to be as safe as it can possibly be for the players, but we also understand that one of the primary appeals of our game is its physicality. Yeah. Um, so we want to preserve the physicality of our sport, uh, but we want to make it safe for the players. And sometimes there's inconsistencies in that objective, and so you have to balance those things. And I, I, I think we've, over time, found... Uh, a good balance. I think we're in a good place with that. I think the Department of Player Safety and the development of the part, Department of Player Safety uh, has certainly helped. I think the game is played uh, a lot differently today than it was 15 years ago. Uh, there's a lot less recklessness on the ice. I think players understand the importance. Uh, 
um, and and respect their opponents. Uh, so I, I think we're in a good place right now, you know, and, and we'll continue to work on it, obviously. And finally, you knew there was an Edmonton-centric question coming. Is it very possible that the NHL is entering another period like the mid-80s where voting for the Hart and the Lindsay starts to become a foregone conclusion? <laughs> You know what? I, I, uh, I'm putting I, out this I, 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 cer cer Certainly an unbelievable player. So uh, I'll start there, and the, and the rest takes care of itself. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> little fun there with play-by-play uh, -play voice Jack Michaels and Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly uh, speaking about the uh, NHL Global Series and its importance and, of course, the future of it. And I think this is what the NHL is going to do more often than not. I mean, I don't think NHL participation in the Olympics is on the front burner. I'm not even sure if it's on the burner. I think it's just kind of not there right now. So, which is okay. I mean, I you would love to have the NHL at the Olympics, but what we saw last Olympics was pretty exciting too. You get a lot more parity. You get a lot more matchups that you didn't expect, and you, you get a lot more uh, stories from the uh, from the players that are participating. At the same time, it's pretty awesome having the NHL in the Olympics. 2-0, uh, the Yankees lead the Oakland A's in the American League wildcard game. They're in the uh, top of the fifth inning as uh, that game rolls along. Uh, one other area or one other uh, event that is rolling on is the Yards for Hope campaign for the Hope Mission. The uh, Kiss and Morning Crew, our uh, sister station, 103.9 Kiss and FM, and the morning crew of uh, one Chris Sheets, Jack Sweeney, and Matt DeBuilder, they're down at Commonwealth Stadium trying to go all the way. 110 yards, $110,000 raised for the whole mission. We'll get an update. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From uh, Sheets, you see where we're at here as the uh, final segment of Inside Sports is on the way. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. We roll along here on the show. Final stages at uh, coming up to 10 minutes before 8 o'clock. National Hockey League tonight. The uh, Leafs and Canadians, they're tied at two. Uh, looks like that game is going to overtime. Capitals 6 nothing over the uh, Boston Bruins on banner-raising night. Uh, and that game is midway, or sorry, early in the third period of play. Still to come, Canucks at home to the Flames. The Ducks visiting the San Jose Sharks. Um, speaking of the Capitals, they will not have four Tom Wilson. He's, uh, for the next 20 games, suspended by the NHL for a blindside hit uh, to... Uh, St. Louis Blue center Oscar Sundquist in the second period of the team's preseason game on Sunday. So, had an in-person hearing today. He's a repeat offender. He actually said today, I don't know why I'm suspended for that long. Well, it's because you keep doing things like this, you numbskull. That's why. That isn't good. So... Oh, the uh, Kelowna Rockets, by the way, as well. They have won the uh, right to host the Memorial Cup in 2020. So that is good news as well. 
selected as a host city over Kamloops and Lethbridge. Well, I forgot to mention today, uh, as far as the Eskimos are concerned, uh, Duke Williams did not practice. Of course, he hurt his uh, left shoulder in the uh, debacle on Saturday, 30-3. to um, But it's only day A. Jason Moss, head coach, said he could play. And uh, on Monday, if he can run and if he can catch and he's pain, you know, can tolerate the pain. Also not practicing today, linebacker Chris Edwards, uh, offensive lineman Justin Sorensen, and uh, receiver Sam Jaguer. Now, the Kiss and Morning crew is on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. I had a chance to uh, chat with him before I went back to the station today. Uh, Chris Sheets, uh, Jack, and Matt are down there. And uh, I know Matt was warming up uh, earlier today, Chris, saying, well, if they need me, um, I'm available. And I said, uh, Matt, you'd probably have to be as close to the quarterback. That's probably not legal. Um, and Mike <laughs> probably wouldn't want you that close anyway. But uh, yeah. we, appreciate the, we appreciate Matt's efforts. You know what? I, 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 I hate to say it, but Matt's now on the six-game uh, injury list. He uh, hurt his thumb. I was punting to him. Really? We were just having some fun with a ball here, and yeah, he went off the side of his thumb, and uh, he, he said he jammed her, and uh, that's it for him. He's probably done till the playoffs. He's on the sixth game now? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But we're putting him on the sixth game because of the salary cap. Oh, you couldn't recall him early. He makes a lot of money, right? Yeah, that's true. But <laughs> you likely won't recall him because, you know, you want the break. So. <laughs> no, exactly. It's all good. Yeah, yeah. No, no, we'll leave him wherever he needs to go, um, especially after we spend probably well over 30 hours together uh, here on the field for this, uh, for this incredible cause. Yes, Yards for Hope for the Hope Mission. Uh, the goal is to get to the goal line, goal line to goal line, yeah. 110 yards, $110,000. Uh, what are we at? Uh, what, what's the total right now? Well, I can tell you that, uh, Dave, um, we've, we've had a slower day than we've had in the past, but it picked up towards the end of the day. Um, thankfully, we were nowhere near uh, being able to kick a field goal. So, again, for every $1,000 raised, we started at the north end zone right in the goal line. Right. And for every 1000 bucks, we moved a yard. And we are now, well, I don't know, Sean White, if he could. I mean, Sean White's amazing. You never know. Uh, we're, we're technically, we've raised $57,000. So you can do the Ooh, math. So That's a 53-yard field goal. Yeah, well, yeah, it still, you know, I think he could do it. There's no wind right now, so that's a good thing. Hey, he banged a 55-yarder last year. I know he banged a 53-yarder in the Grey Cup year in Winnipeg. Exactly. No, no, I would never doubt the man. I yeah. would never doubt the man. So we're in field goal range, but we need to score a touchdown. So that means we've got a lot more money to raise between now and uh, when we get off the field. We are just getting our sleeping bags ready. I almost missed your call because we are going to be sleeping on the field with no tents or anything like that. I mean, oh. the reality is that a lot of Edmonton's homeless, if it wasn't for places like the Hope Mission, especially the Hope Mission, they would, they'd be outside. And there's yep. still people that, that, uh, that sleep outdoors all night. And quite honestly, when it gets cold, I mean, sometimes it's even too cold to sleep. We heard from um, a, a man today who's now uh, been almost a year um, uh, away from the drugs and alcohol. It's an amazing story, thanks to the Hope Mission. But he said at one point in his life, he was sleeping in, unheated garages in the winter with eight blankets and he said i i literally would would have to stay close to my dog to stay warm he used his dog as a heater i mean that's the reality yeah. for some people but the hope mission can turn lives around it does it every day and that's why we do this every year what can people do to help out to get you to that goal line right now they can actually go online and give if, if they can they can go to hopemission.com if maybe you're at home right now or you're near a computer at some point this evening go to hopemission.com Hope begins with a meal. $54 will actually feed 20 this Thanksgiving and also give them all that other extra care. They've got man-down vans that drive around the city that help the homeless out, giving them mittens and toques and socks and, 
and uh, food. I mean, if, if they can't get downtown to the whole mission, the sad reality is that not everybody homeless is in the downtown area. Mm-hmm. I've been in the Hope uh, Man Down Vision. West End, there's a lot of people that need, are in their needs. So, again, hopemission.com is where they need to go, Dave. We'd love to wake up tomorrow morning with a, an, an even more significant total, a, an easier kick for Sean White, and then an easier throw from Mike Riley to Duke Williams in the end zone for the touchdown. And not Matt. And not Matt. Not, not Matt. Not, no, Matt's no. not. A, Matt's, no, Matt's injured now. Okay. We've, We've pretty much written him off. All right, yeah, and and that's you know that's un, that's not unexpected. Anyway, no. Uh, <laughs> Sheetsy, thanks for the update. Okay, uh, try and get some sleep tonight. Okay. Thank you, thank you to all the Ched listeners for helping us out. HopeMission.com. If you, if you can, uh, you'll feel better about your Thanksgiving if you help. Guarantee. All right, Chris Sheets uh, down on the Brickfield at Commonwealth Stadium. Uh, Chris, Matt, and Jack. Um, Yards for Hope for the Hope Mission, $57,000 raised. So they got 53000 to go to uh, get, to the, uh, get to the goal of $110,000. And then, uh, you know, Sheetsy, Jack, and Maddie can go home. So this is a great cause. So uh, thank you so much for uh, everyone who has uh, supported this and uh, for those that are going to and just, you know, Edmonton, you are completely awesome. It's over in, my, in uh, Toronto and they're happy... One and oh, baby. Plan the parade. Johnny T is in Tirana. Austin Matthews. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, Austin Matthews, second of the game. In overtime, 3-2. The Leafs over the Montreal Canadiens. Still 6-0. Caps over the Bruins. Still to come. Canucks set home to the Flames. The Ducks visit the Sharks. American League wildcard. Bottom of the fifth. The Yankees at home to the Oakland A's. The Divisional Series begin tomorrow in the National League. Milwaukee Brewers at home to the Colorado Rockies. The Atlanta Braves in L.A. to play the Dodgers. Reed Wilkins back on the airwaves tomorrow night. Also tomorrow afternoon. Oilers now from noon until 2. My thanks to Angie Colcott, studio producer. Thank you so much. Thank you for uh, you for listening. Your text, appreciate it. We'll talk to you very, very soon. The Eskimos are in Regina to play the Riders Thanksgiving Monday. Big game. They all get bigger if you're going through what the Eskimos are going through right now. But regardless, it's a big game. Noon is the uh, countdown to kickoff from Mosaic Stadium. And 2 o'clock is the kickoff. Have a great night, everyone. Talk to you soon. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.